What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome in. This is LOTL, and this is episode 112. And on tonight's episode, we get things going with the catch-up with Jimmy. Uh, we talk about a few different topics that we may have missed throughout the weekend, and you guessed it, we get caught up on it. After that, we talk about uh, our sports leagues. Are they coming back? Are they not? NBA is. MLB, eh, we quite don't know yet, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the proposals from MLB and the Players Association and uh, get into all of that. NFL talk, uh, we're talking the NFL players uh, video uh, regarding the uh, George Floyd murder and uh, all the other uh, killings and police brutality. And then we talk about Roger Goodell's uh, response to it. Also, we're going to uh, chat about Drew Brees' comments uh, regarding the protests Um how they backfired on him, and uh, then his response um, after uh, getting uh, so much heat for it. Uh, to kind of end the episode, uh, we go through a round of shout-outs, and uh, that's going to be about it for this week's episode. But we get things started with the beers of the week. Let's do it. Welcome to Living Off the Land. The All Things Cleveland Podcast with your hosts, Jordan, Jimmy, and Dan. Follow us on social media at the LOTL Podcast. All right, here we go. Another week. Another opportunity to be great, fellas. Let's be great. I, I don't know. Beer of the week time. <laughs> uh, I dig it. I like it. Yeah, yeah I, whatever. I don't know. I, yeah, it's been a day. Okay. Yeah. But uh, back to our normal episodes. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to uh, say a special thank you to Rufus Jones, who joined us last week to um, try and uh, uh, bring to light this issue that I say bring to light but this issue is kind of like on fire in front of all of us right now. So um, with the uh, Black Lives Matter Matter uh, movement and the fight against police brutality and injustice. Um, so we thank Rufus for that. Uh, appreciate it. And um, we're certainly going to touch on some more topics like that today with regards to the NFL and uh, uh, other sports um, with their responses to a lot of their players being outspoken about this. So, um, it's not going away, and we're going to keep talking about it. So, But today we're going to talk about a little bit more in context of a normal episode setup. So uh, here we go. Beer of the week. Uh, I'm Dan, here with Jimmy, Jordan, and Ryan, the usual cast of characters. And uh, who wants to kick it off? What do we got, boys? I'll go first. Oh. <laughs> you want me to? Is, is it cool? Or after, do you want to go, Ryan? Whatever. After you, sir. After you. All right, cool. I have uh, a new beer. I, I think it's new because I remember seeing it on some forums uh, and I haven't seen it before. Uh, it is by Jackie O's um, and it's called Lost Marbles IPA. Uh, this is a hazy IPA and it's got a cool can. It's got like a I think it's called it's actually no joke the bird's called a blue-footed booby look it up it's a weird bird i don't believe uh, you and that's on the can i assume that is for comedic 
reasons. Uh, and it is described as an India as an IPA with notes of lush pineapple and ripe papaya. Ooh, papaya. Uh, first notes are very fruity, very juicy. So that's it's right up there with those with that uh, description. Um, I don't know if I taste papaya, but I can't also remember the last time I've had papaya. So it could just be one of the flavors I'm tasting that I don't realize is papaya. But I definitely taste the pineapple. Uh, definitely a lot of fruity flavors coming in. Um, oh, and I just see on the can it's a limited release. So probably not going to be around for too long. If you see it, it's in an orange can with a bird on it. Uh, and it's called Lost Marbles IPA. I highly recommend it. It's very tasty. Tasty. Nice. All right. So I've been doing, I've been hitting the IPA train and then uh, the hazy world, the double IPAs for so for so long now, I wanted to switch it up. So I went with uh, Loggerheads this week out of Medina, nice. Ohio. I went with their Sunshine Blue Summer Ale. I don't know if any of you guys have had this before, but it's a uh, summer ale with blueberries and ginger. Super easy to drink, 5% alcohol. Um, really light, really low on the IBUs, not better at all. I was hoping for a little bit more ginger. I love ginger. And like, if you drink this expecting ginger beer, uh, you will be let down in that regard, but it's still really tasty. Um, something you could definitely have on a really hot day like today, uh, for sure. And have several of them. Here. Pride of Medina, Ohio. Good stuff. I will, um, I shall go next. Speaking of a very hot day like today, uh, that calls for a good pool weather and drinking by the pool weather which is exactly what i did for the majority of my day because you know i don't have a job and a recent college graduate so you know why not jimmy's drunk have fun <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah we make for good content okay so um i believe i was planning on getting saucy uh brewer not not actually like saucy as in drunk oh saucy you got brewers, oh but- you're so- you're saucy right now <laughs> a bit saucy i agree but I got Platform, and I've been talking about it for weeks, and I always mention it, and I haven't had it in a while. Uh, I got Haze Jude. I think that's the perfect nice. um, day-drinking beer. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a hazy IPA, has notes of uh, tropical fruit, pine, and grapefruit, uh, 6%. goes down fairly easy, and it's uh, definitely a fan favorite when it comes to a 90-degree day in Cleveland and uh, sipping with your buddies, so uh i've had a couple uh, a couple too many so <laughs> so good stuff look out everybody watch out yeah i love Hayes jude um i had actually a few on sunday uh we were over my brother's house because he graduated with his master's uh shout out congrats mike and uh uh as a kind of a graduation gift i bought him a case of uh Hayes jude so there you go. That's like his. That's like his favorite, like craft beer. He's very much a uh, meat and potatoes, uh, Bud Light, Bush Light type of beer. He's a cheap beer guy, but for some reason, he really loves Hayes Jude from Platform. So, uh, got him a case of that for uh, this weekend. So, love Hayes Jude. Uh, okay, yeah, for Big me, fan. Uh, I'm batting clean up, and I've got uh, Towpath Terrier IPA from Thirsty Dog. Oh, oh, that's cool. I've never had that before. With a little puppy dog right on the can here. Our fine folks can't see, but there's a little puppy dog. 
Um, oh, it's a can. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a can from them before. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, uh, very Ooh. cool. Um, it is... Um, the can actually has a bunch of, like, maps of the uh, Ohio and Erie Towpath Trail, which I think is really cool. Um, and then, obviously, there's the puppy dog on there. And, uh, no, it's really good beer. Just pretty straightforward uh, IPA. It's a little bit on the lighter side, 5.5% uh, alcohol per volume. And, yeah. Just a very solid, solid beer. It says hashtag unleash the flavor. Hashtag thirsty dog brewing. All right. Shout out to our friends, our friends from Ak- Akron, right? Thirsty dog is Akron, correct? Yeah. Yeah, they're Akron. Shout out to our thirsty dog friends down there in Akron. And all of our thousands and thousands of listeners in Akron. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So that is our beers of the week. Uh, if any pique your interest, uh, go and grab those and let us know what you think. So, all right. Let's do it. It's catch-up time. Take it away, Jimmy. Yes, it is. So okay. we're going down the same catch up. Once, once before, um, we didn't do it last week, but basically if you haven't listened, you, uh, not, you're you not familiar with the catch-up. It's uh, me catching you up with local news. Uh, usually if you haven't listened, or- get caught up. Yeah, exactly. Come on now. So basically I, uh, I'm i going to give you a couple things we uh, might have missed over the weekend or uh, – some breaking news, if you will. So let's start uh, off with this one. This was uh, sometime last week they announced it. Cedar Point is planning to reopen for the 2020 season on July 9th. There will be mask requirements, and they're going to limit uh, park capacity. So Cedar Point is indeed going to be open for the summer. I think I saw uh, 20% is going to be the capacity that they're allowing. But I could be wrong. Yeah, that's... That sounds about right. Um, I have this article, uh, Channel 3 News, WKYC, uh, has an article about it. Yeah. But yeah, they will Dude, have imagine, uh, capacity limits. Mm-hmm. Just just imagine uh, if you're a Cedar Point diehard and you're able to get in and you're in there with 20% capacity, how many times you can ride each ride? Like how crazy I mean, is that going to be? be? There's going to be, like no, there's gonna be like no lines for anything. Oh, it's going to be a ride warrior's dream. Yeah. Uh, I am not one of those. Uh, I am the anti-ride warrior. Uh, Same here. I don't think I've been to Cedar Point since I was like 15. Wow. A lot of changes since then. Yeah. I just don't. I just. Number one, I, I have a healthy fear of heights. Uh, or some might say unhealthy. But uh, I hate heights. And uh, I don't know. I just don't like roller coasters. Probably because of the height thing, but I don't know. She never liked them. That being What's said, fair? that being said, uh, I don't think there was any way that Cedar Point could go a whole whole year without uh, opening. Could you like? Could you imagine the amount of money that they like that they would lose? Like they've already lost yeah. money. But well, it was early last going- week. There was another. There was another story. Uh, I was Kings Island. They're a uh, company, um, you know, owned by Cedar Fair, which is like the conglomerate. Um, they were told they couldn't open, 
And they're like, okay, well, we're going to sue the state because if everybody else is opening up and making money, that's kind of unfair if right. you keep a shutdown. So that's what they did. Yeah. Or they said they were going to bring on a lawsuit. And what do you know? They opened up and they said, go ahead. So good news for all those Cedar Point fans out there. Yeah, it, it's weird. You would you would you would actually think that Cedar Point would be one of the first things that would have opened up because it's outdoors. Mm-hmm. But you again, I mean? it's kind of tough maintain you know sanitation requirements and standards uh in cedar point if you ever go at the end of the day you're just feeling grubby and kind of disgusting so it makes sense a lot of germs you know there's very little uh wiping down rides and you know like levers and seat belts whatever so it's always just kind of you know sweaty people in the summer just touching all this stuff and barely clean it so um it's going to be good with this capacity limit it's going to be awesome if you can get a ticket and uh, it's going to feel right. like, you know, it's pretty much dead. So that's cool. Sure. I'm very curious to see the demand for tickets uh, when they open up. I'm sure it's going to be crazy. I'm sure people will be itching to yeah. go. So, right. Good news. Well, and I wonder how that's going to work with. Um, so last year, I don't know if anybody else did this, but last year, Jen and I got the um, the gold pass uh, where it was. I think we bought it like mid season last year and it covered all your visits for last year and all of your visits for this year. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be, I don't know what they're going to do for, for folks like with passes like that, or do you have to still pay extra for these tickets? Is it going to be an upcharge or do you just have to pick a date? I don't know how that's going to work. Cause I remember thinking last year, I was like, Oh yeah, if we go like twice, we'll, 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 it'll have paid for itself. And I think we went twice last year and I was hoping to go at least once or twice this year. And then this whole thing broke out and I was like, great, really glad I got that uh, gold pass. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how it, uh, we'll see how it all plays out. So I'm not sure what, what it uh, entails for the next season. If you have a pa- season pass for this season, but in terms of reserving your spot for this year, um, they have priority. So season pass holders get a first chance to reserve a ticket for that day. So that's one benefit, I guess one perk, but I'm not sure what it's going to be for the next season. Cool. So, Moving on to the next topic announced today, Cleveland.com broke this. There is a drive-in musical f- uh, music festival coming to Cleveland in July, uh, July 3rd Whoa. to the 5th. Yes. So it, it's it's uh, called the Kukui Kukoi. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Music festival. It will be at the greater Cle- outside of the Greater Cleveland Aquarium and G- Pavilion uh, in the flats. So that's going to be cool. It's like a little drive-in music concert. Probably, so. yeah. Uh, probably through that parking lot area mm-hmm. so that's that's awesome you know that's that's one have event said, that um have they that, said like are there like any well-known like artists or anything they're going to be playing there or uh nothing that i'm seeing here uh they might be announcing it soon this literally just broke this afternoon so uh it says the festival's lineup has not been announced but the event's website stated it would bring in some of cleveland's hottest local djs along with the top DJs in the world. So they've uh, held hmm. a couple of rave events in Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland uh, over the past couple of years. So it should be a pretty good turnout. Oh, it so be it's, okay. good so it's going to like, be like house music, like EDM like type stuff? That's what it seems like. It, it looks like it's pointing to like DJs rather than bands or uh, other musicians. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's exciting, though. You know, it's a big event. Um. Yeah, that's so that's on. uh yeah, that's the first like that's the first like uh music concert thing 
to be announced to be like coming back. That's big. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So hopefully this is the catalyst of more announcements and more concerts and events coming back. So hopefully that goes well. Um, I'm not sure if any of y'all plan on uh, attending, but sounds interesting. Okay, moving on. Peyton Hillis was uh, interviewed. Uh, he's on 92.3 The Fan, and um, he's talking about his time in Cleveland and how he kind of wished it would have went different and some rumors about like contract negotiations and kind of made him seem like kind of a bad guy or he wasn't willing to stick around, but he said that was false, and he wished he would have retired a Cleveland Brown because he loved it that much. So that's kind of nice to hear. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't hear all of this interview. Um, I saw some snip or I, I listened to some snippets and I uh, saw some reaction to it on Twitter. Um, I thought that piece was interesting, what you said about um, wishing he uh, was in Cleveland for his the rest of his career. Um, thought it was interesting, kind of what he said. So it, he was quoted on Twitter as as saying uh, that. Cleveland is lucky that those guys are out of there, which Mm -hmm. I'm guessing he's referring to Mike Holmgren, uh, Tom Hecker. Eric Mangini was the coach at the time. Eric Mangini. Yeah. Like those guys. I think that's. Forgot about the man genius. Yeah. Man genius. I use that term loosely. Um. (laughs) But yeah, that's the, that was very interesting. And then there, there's you know there's all those extracurriculars about Peyton Hillis that were hilarious about uh, <clears throat> the fact that he missed a game with a sore throat, and uh, he uh, like announced that when he was done playing, he wanted to join the CIA and all this stuff and like all this like weird stuff. But yeah, that's what that's really what, really Dan. Where did he end his career? Like, where did he go next? I all I know of his like year in Cleveland or whatever. A couple. I of years I don't even remember, honestly. He played. He kind of just uh, fell off the map, right? I don't know if he ended his career in Kansas City, but he definitely played for the Chiefs after us. That's he was right, with Jamal Charles, and um, I couldn't tell you anybody else who was on that Chiefs team now. But yeah, he he definitely went to the Chiefs after us. I don't think he lasted long, and I was just sitting here thinking about it. And that would be another fun. Uh, that would be a fun homework assignment for for everybody listening. Who are your like favorite one hit wonders? Like he Hillis came out of nowhere, won the Madden cover like popular vote, was on the cover of Madden, and then that's essentially the, uh, was never heard of again. That's the power of uh, Browns Nation. We put a uh, hillbilly white running back on the cover of Madden <laughs> because Seriously. of a fan, because of a fan vote. So it said that was wild. It said he um Oh, actually hold on. Just kidding. I know he came in yeah, with the I'm Broncos. Sure he played with the Broncos before the Browns. Uh mm-hmm. had some success with the Maybe Broncos. The Colts? But he was... Huh? Was it the Colts by any chance? Um oh, no. doesn't sound familiar, but I I don't know. Call on but call yeah, on our friend that just I know he played for the Chiefs. Just... I know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just adds to the mystery of Peyton Hillis. You know, nobody really knows. He just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Well, yeah. I mean, he said he was going to join the CIA, so he's a very mysterious guy. 
So uh, Chiefs and then the, the Giants. New York Giants. The Giants he retired with, yeah. Yep. New York Football Giants. He uh, retired after 2014. So, yeah. Huh. That was old Peyton Hillis. He was uh so yeah. he was he was a lot of fun that one year, man. I mean he was a lot of fun to watch. He was yeah, like so I, I pulled up his stats. He ran for over a thousand yards in twenty ten. Yeah. Just under one thousand two hundred. Yeah. He never got over six hundred again. Right. Jeez. Yeah, two thousand eleven he, he only played in ten games. Twenty ten when he had twelve hundred yards. But yeah, he was fun, man. He was uh huh? he was the first jersey I ever got. Jersey. Oh god. He was the first uh Oh, I don't want to go through jersey I ever got. because that will just depress me. But, well, we don't have yeah. to. We can move on. Yeah. But yep, that was the catch up, boys. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it, listeners. I'll be, be I'll be uh back at you next week. Yeah, that was exciting, Jimmy. I mean, we got some we got some cool events opening up and a classic uh northeast Cleveland uh you know locations opening up again that everybody likes here. So maybe some some positive info some positive news for once and <laughs> after the last few months of closures and everything. So yeah, appreciate that. Dude, I wonder like like what prompted Peyton Hillis to be on the radio in Cleveland for all these years. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not really. I don't know how he got there, to be honest. But apparently, no idea. Cleveland has a special place in his heart. Who can blame him? I guess. Well, I mean, I you know, I don't blame him. We have a podcast because of the city of Cleveland. So, you know, right <laughs> with you there, Peyton. Good on you, P. Um, speaking of guys who uh, left Cleveland and uh, are, were on the radio waves uh, this week, uh, how about Hugh Jackson was on with uh, ESPN Cleveland? last week any of you guys listen to that at all i did not wow part of i it. mean talk about I a guy that all but part of it who i mean hindsight's 2020 but wow does okay so here's i, I don't want to be overly dramatic about this but does anybody take no anything that he says Seriously, like if we're being really honest, like does I I don't, I, yeah I don't know I I just I feel like exactly. they needed somebody yeah. to fill airwave time so <laughs> it's like he's yep. like he's on a, he's what's on that there. app cameo where you can like pay celebrities to like send a shout out to a buddy he yeah he's on there and it's like he Pretty was much. like a this yeah. was like the local radio yeah. version of that Except, uh, instead of a thirty second cameo it was like a fifteen minute cameo I don't know. But yeah, he he was. I mean, he was on there saying some outrageous stuff, like saying like, "Oh, I was trying. I wanted us to sign Colin Kaepernick in 2017." I mean, dude, it's real convenient and real easy for you to say something like that when when you know what's going on in our country is going on. Like for you to say, "Oh, I wanted to be the guy that brought Colin Kaepernick back into the NFL and served him justice." Like, okay, all right, Hugh. Yeah, number one, number one, nobody can really prove him wrong. So well, I guess I'm, he can say whatever he wants. So it's like, okay, cool. When he was also supposed to, uh, allegedly, he was the the guy who was coordinating Kaepernick's um, like that was tryout. last year, was and that, he was going to do it on behalf year? of the NFL. Uh, or yeah. So 
Mm-hmm. He was he was allegedly the guy for that, and it fell apart at the eleventh hour right. for you know I'm sure a multitude of reasons. But I don't know. I just I, I feel like again it's just he wants to get back into the NFL, sure. so he'll say sure. or do what he needs to say uh, to try to make it happen. I mean he'll he'll end you know if he minds his p's and q's he'll end up somebody's you know quarterbacks coach well, or tell, offensive I'll tell you, coordinator. I'll tell you where he's gonna go? You know, he's gonna go wherever Marvin Lewis gets a job again. It's <laughs> probably. Where yeah, so probably, probably. Is Marvin Lewis coaching right now? So by the way, or he, is he was football for the year? an assistant under Herm Edwards at Arizona State last year. I don't uh, think he's no, in the NFL know currently. I don't even know if he's still at Arizona State. I just, I know he's not in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I you know, people on the radio were saying that they feel bad for Hugh Jackson, like. He should at least be an assistant coach, like in the NFL. Like, I mean, whatever. I have no sympathy for that man. So I, I do and I don't. I have some sympathy in the sense that when he was brought in, the the strategy literally was to lose games. Like it was Operation Tank Mode. We all know how that played out. Get rid of you know, stockpile draft picks, as much cap space as possible, whatever. And so he he was not in an enviable position. But how he conducted his business towards the tail end and then after the fact is where he lost me. Like I, I felt bad for the the hand he was dealt in terms of the football, uh, but just yeah, I, I don't I don't really care for how he's conducted business. One of my favorite moments actually was when Demarius Randall um, picked off, uh, uh, got an interception in the Bengals game uh, last year, and then ran to the sideline and handed yep. the ball to Hugh Jackson. Like that, that sums it all up pretty well for me. And that's one of my favorite, like that's one of the probably top three memories I have of yeah, Hugh Jackson the whole, uh, the whole when he went, was, uh, you know, Marvin's like yeah. special assistant. When he got fired and then was. immediately went to the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that, that, that's the kind of stuff right. where you lose people. And then the whining but, and the woe is me uh, yeah. after the fact. That, and, that, that whole thing. And I don't that, want, I don't want to hear from him with, uh, you know, they were saying, well, he, he, uh, you know he needs to he needs a job he needs to earn a paycheck that what he he's getting paid from the browns for the next 3 years like the guy doesn't need a job anyway we're going he's down, fine we're going down I, I, yeah not worried about that we are mm-hmm. going down a road but yeah since we were talking about Peyton Hillis I thought I'd bring up the Hugh Jackson thing as well so um yeah well uh, since we last talked about all this stuff, uh, we've got a firm and concrete plan from the NBA. The NBA's coming back, fellas. Um, yeah, Jordan, boy. You, you want to talk about a little bit about that, a little bit about the details of the NBA's plan, and, and then we can kind of go around and talk about our feelings. Yeah, about I do. Uh, so if you all remember the bit I did on the NHL, it's kind of similar. Um, I almost wonder... I almost wonder if I want to know whose plan came first. I don't know. Maybe they were both kind of developed on their own. I don't know, but it's kind of similar to that in in a lot of ways. So uh, the National Basketball Players Association uh, representatives approved the NBA's uh, 22-team format on Friday, June 5th. Um, A July 3rd, it was approved 29 to 1 with the Trailblazers being the only team to vote against it. Uh, a July 31st tip-off is planned, uh, and all sources, and by that's a general statement, but 
it seems like most NBA sources seem to indicate that all parties, players, all parties, including players, you know, players and owners are on board with this. So it looks pretty much like it's happening. Um, training camp will begin June 30th and last a week. Uh, after that, all ta- all teams will fly to Orlando on July 7th and begin their own little quarantine in a bubble, uh, which will be the city of Orlando. I just said that. Uh, a t- again, a total of 22 teams made the cut. Um, the 16 teams that are in playoff position as of when the NBA was suspended, plus those that are within six games of each conference's number eight seed. There will be eight games played regular season quote unquote games uh to be played to determine um the final 16 team playoffs and seeding uh so the little short eight game regular season thing is very important um probably i mean in some ways most important for those teams on the bubble uh although we all know that seeding can be massively important down the stretch for the top four seeds as well so uh, and another reason for the the regular season games is a financial reason. So I guess I from the from an article from ESPN.com. All this is from that, by the way. Um, to quote them, if the remaining 259 regular season games had fully been canceled, uh, I guess the players were facing a 645 million loss in salary. Uh, adding these 88 games back into the schedule reduces that collective salary loss by 300 million so um that's significant but of course there's also playoff and seating uh things at stake uh, so a potential um a potential game seven of the nba finals would be played on monday october 12th so yeah it's going way into the year um the and then five to six games will be played a day once the season starts at three different facilities in the wide world of sports complex in Orlando. Uh, it's going to be a place called the arena HP Fieldhouse, and the visa athletic center. Um, the, and then side note, the NBA draft lottery is tentatively scheduled for August 25th with the actual draft on October 15 and a free agency will begin October 18th. We care about let's get to that draft lottery. Yeah. Right. Uh, a, a very important future date is, yes, they are delaying the 2020-2021 season significantly, and yep. they're looking at starting that on December 1st. Which uh, is not going to happen. Which, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 think it'll be, I think it'll be Christmas. Yeah, it's, 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 I think that's very possible. I mean, you're looking at probably December, maybe even January. Which which, you're, basically what you're saying out. is you're giving – if if you if the NBA wants to start the next season on December first, they have to have at least some sort of training camp before that. So that puts them at right. uh, that puts them at like at the early like earliest training camp starts in the middle of November, and yeah, the the potential last game of the NBA Finals is what day? October twelfth. So essentially, what you're saying is you're only going to give these teams and these players a month of an off season. That's insane. Well, that, would, that, would, that, would, that would be for the teams that went deep into the playoffs, but yes. Right, yes. right, right. I know, but I mean. That's not, another thing, too, is for those teams that didn't make the cut, they are going to be playing some sort of like 
summer league concept so that their legs stay fresh and that they don't just have like an eight month gap between the next season. Another interesting tidbit, of course, there's, as, there's no fans planned for any of this. Each team has 35 uh, pe- like personnel that can come with them. Um, and there is no word on if there'll be fans in the 2020, 2021 season. So that is just no word on that yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, they can't really yeah, say, so, they can't really say. No, I, no, I would, that'd be stupid to, to say anything yeah. about that. Like, why would you say that? Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the NBA's coming back. The no fan thing's weird. And at first I even tweeted, I was like, I don't even want to just scrap it. But then I, I've changed my mind. I'm excited now. I mean, there's really, as far as the prestige and the, I don't know what the word would be. Like, there's really no, like, whoever wins this title is going to legitimately win this title. There's really, the only thing is you don't have the fan, the home and away, you know, environment. Right. And you don't have that right. factor affecting games. But as far as the competition and like all that, they're going to play a full playoff season plus a, a little mini regular season. So, I mean, the amount of games played is essentially the same. It's just, again, you don't get that home versus away factor. But, yeah, what do you guys think about this? I'm excited. I just want to watch something live. That's a sport that I care about. Sorry, Bundesliga. I don't really care about you. But, or uh, UFC. But, uh, I'm ex- yeah, yeah. But, but um, yeah, I'm excited. So what do you guys think? Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm really interested to uh, – you know, you mentioned that they're going to play five to six games a day. I mean, that means that they're yeah. going to be playing games during the day. Yeah. They're going to be playing games in the middle of the day. They're going to be playing games uh, at night. It's going to be almost like a uh, NCAA tournament like format. Like, you know how like the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament, there's games at like noon, and then there's games at like three, and then games at six, and then games at nine. Right. Because right. because my my guess is the the NBA is going to try to maximize their amount of time on TV. So they're not going to want to play like all of their games at the same time. They're going to want to play like staggered games to make sure they're on TV most of the time so they can get that ad revenue uh, and, uh, you know, just make sure they can try and recoup as much money as possible. The other interesting thing to me is it, it takes away the, um, the motivation and the incentive to uh, of seeding, unless you're going strictly by matchup, because uh, there's no there's going to be no home court advantage at all. Right. So, right. Like the only the only the only thing you would would worry about with seeding uh, would be your matchup and who, as a team, you perceive yourself to be matched up better against. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I. You know that's interesting. I, because I, I've always wanted to know what the home away factor really is. You know, because there are some teams and players where it doesn't seem to do anything. But then you can look at stats and obviously see some sort of an impact. So this is actually going to be fascinating because you're gonna we're gonna watch what exactly the home away factor can be. I mean, yeah, I I think uh, I, I think for I, sure, I, for sure in the playoffs. Uh, right. I have no doubt, though, like, you know, Lakers and Bucks and Clippers and teams like that playing the lower seeds are still going to be heavy favorites. And and I would imagine still win fairly easily. 
But when it starts coming to like the closer matchups in the later rounds, like yeah, I, I mean, think that's going to be you know fascinating. I don't know. I I wonder if we're going to get like some one or two like massive upsets in the first round because like all these teams have been off for three months, so it's almost like yeah. starting a new season. There's no continuity. There's going to be very little chemistry for all these teams. So it's going to be interesting to see if like one of the like you know, the jazz or somebody like catches fire in the first round and they're just like unconscious. Like, are they going to be able to upset somebody like the Clippers or, um, you know, the, uh, uh, who's the third seed in the West? Oh, uh, it was, um, wasn't OKC. Was it here? I'm looking. Was it? I don't remember. I know OKC was on fire before the season guts. Let's see what we got. Yeah. And, you know, you were mentioning, like, what happens if there's a first-round team, you know, a, a lower seed that catches fire? Well, think about some of these teams that have been battling injuries, you know, oh. Portland in particular. You know, yeah. Portland's going to get, um, what's-his-face, Nurkic back. Yep. And, you know, a healthy Dame, a healthy um, CJ <clears throat> McCollum. Like, th- that team's not going to be a, oh. a super easy out. No. Well, I mean, they, they, have, they, have, to get, they have to get there. They have to get yeah, there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're out of there. But I tell you what. I love John Morant. Everybody knows that I'm the president of the John Morant fan club. You're yeah. telling me that with their backs against the wall and a healthy squad, you know, I'm not going to take him and the young Grizzlies over, over the trailblazers. Um, they Agreed. got a real shot. I mean, it's got to go. It's, it's all got to go the right way, but um, Dude, theoretically, you yeah. How so, awesome would it be to see Zion and the Pelicans get the eight seed and go up against LeBron and the Lakers in the first round on a neutral court. That, that That's would what be, the NBA yeah, wants. I promise you that. Oh, my God. So here, here's the standings for now. Keep in mind the top six teams on either in either conference have already made the playoffs. So they're fighting just for seeding. So in the West, it's L.A. Lakers, L.A. Clippers, Denver Nuggets was three, Utah Jazz, Oklahoma, and then Houston Rockets. Uh, Dallas Mavericks and Memphis Grizzlies are in the seven and eight spots as of now. Um, and then you got, which by the way, three through seven are like just a, at most a game and a half away from each other. Uh, side note. Uh, and then on the East, you have Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors, Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, Indiana Pacers, and Philly, Philadelphia 76ers. With the Brooklyn Nets and Orlando Magic in the seven and eight spot, so that's right. that's interesting. Um, I mean, I, the East. I, I don't know how. <laughs> I, I really think it's just Milwaukee and Toronto, but with the West, you have you have you have a lot more competition this year than usual in well, the West. So hang hang on though. So I I, I think yeah, Dan and I have the same thought. Yeah yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Do you want to talk about the Celtics or, do, or should I? <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about the Celtics, so I think we've got a different. Oh, oh, maybe uh, not. Oh, maybe you mean Philly. All right. So my thought is is Boston. I am okay. Again, so if I'm the president of the John Morant fan club, I'm also of the probably the president of the uh, anti Boston club. But I, I don't think <laughs> we're all that no, people... we're all we're all co presidents of that. Group. We're all right there. All right, very good. Yeah, good, good. Shout, out, good shout out Johnny Hopkins. Shout out. Oh my gosh. But I got to say, they are 
they're going to be a the, the Boston's going to be one of those dangerous teams. I think Boston's yeah. a team that's going to yeah. benefit from this type You're of right. situation. They're young. They're again. They're going to be coming in healthy, and you know I I don't care for them, but that doesn't mean you can't take them lightly or, or under under um, undervalue what they bring to the table. Jason Tatum is a stud. You know I think he's he doesn't get the love he gets. Um, he's going to be one of the next guys to get a max contract for sure. Um, oh yeah. So you have Kemba I, too, I, right I, now. Yeah, I and I think I think Boston's better off with Kemba than they were with Kyrie. You know. You know, if you just put them up against each other as players, I don't think anybody would say that Kyrie's or excuse me, that Kemba is the better player. But in terms of leadership and cohesion and what they bring to the table as a teammate, they are for sure playing better as a unit with Kemba. Um, He it's it's and I I don't think it's even close. Not to mention that as great as Kyrie can be, uh, he's having a hard time staying healthy these past couple of years. Um. That's so, been yeah, the one guy, Kyrie. This is yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, maybe a flat earther, so I'd give that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Boston's definitely a threat. I just, man, I. Here's, here's, what, I I, here's what I want to say. I don't know how anyone stops Milwaukee. But. I, think, um, I think all of our preconceived notions on how the NBA playoffs usually go every year, I think you can throw them out the window. I. Yeah. Yes, true. Milwaukee is head and shoulders above everybody else in the East, but you just don't know how these teams are going to fare in this unprecedented environment. You just don't know. Yeah. I mean, just like how I said the Jazz could get hot and you know take out somebody in the West, the Pacers could get hot with Victor Oladipo, with uh, Miles Turner, with uh, Zabonis, with all their guys. They could get hot and take take out uh, Boston or you know whoever they're matched up against. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be so fascinated to see what the matchups are for uh, the, the NBA playoffs because more more so than anything else, it's going to come up to uh, matchups of these teams uh, because the mm-hmm. home court advantage is reduced to nothing because everybody's going to be on the same playing field. Yes, do the Lakers have more talent than you know? Let's just keep going with my example: the Utah Jazz. Yes. Um, you know, what happens if LeBron comes down with COVID? Like, you, you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen. Oh, that's a factor I never thought of. Right. So that like, like as, as much as it would suck for LeBron and the Lakers, if LeBron right, comes down right. with COVID, they're not stopping the playoffs. LeBron's going to have to go into quarantine for that entire series. So hopefully Anthony right. Davis can rise right. to the occasion and lead them past whoever they're playing in the first round. But oh, man, that's an- I'm telling you. I, I think we will see more than one major, major upset in the NBA playoffs. I really do. In the first round. No. I don't I don't I really I think you're right. Well, I, I think you're right. I think there's multiple factors that are gonna play into that too. Here's a question though. So I don't know, Jordan, if you know this or if if anybody has heard this, is there any wiggle room in this setup for let's just say come October when we're talking about the finals where we get to actually play in home arenas, like the, the final two teams, will they maybe get a shot? I, or is it like, I as have far not, as we're aware, locked in, locked in for Orlando. The whole way? All the articles I've read, I have I, not even really seen that be addressed. I, um, I, I don't, I don't think I really, man, I really have a hard time believing that the NBA went through this uh, planning of this whole thing. And are just going to up and change it, um, you know, midway through. I think for this year, I think they're committed to just doing it in this bubble. Let's get through it. Let's get through this season, crown a champion. 
and then get ready for next season because it's going to be a yeah. quick turnaround. Um, I don't, uh, Woj said that that uh, December 1st opening for the next season is a tentative date. It's not in stone. I have a really hard yeah. time believing that they're going to start next season on December 1st. I think, you know, the NBA places so much importance on those Christmas Day games. I think that that's going to be like their big re-entrance into uh, the sporting world for next season. I think you're going to see Christmas Day games. I think you're going to see Christmas Day games for like every team in the league. And I was going to say, what if what if like everybody has a Christmas game? Yeah, I mean, that'd yeah. be how wild would that be if between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the entire league plays? Yeah, and it's and, and it would also be like a. Uh, it would also be like a NCAA tournament style where, you know, you would have like five games on ABC and ESPN, five games on TNT that day, and then like, you know, whatever. I don't even know what other. So the, like those three networks each have five games. Those are your 30 NBA teams. So, you know, 15 games total. So I think you can do it that way. But, yeah, I just as far as this season goes, I think they're just going to stick with the bubble um, and just finish it out. Uh, there's, you know, like, like we've already talked about, there's still so many unknowns with, uh, with this virus. So I think even if you get to a point in October where you see, uh, fans at NFL stadiums, I think you're still going to see them just finish out this NBA season in the bubble. I just don't think they're going to, they're going to up and, uh, change the protocol that they set in place and take that additional risk of playing games in home arenas. You know, maybe that changes. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot can certainly happen in the next few months. But I, I think I agree with Dan. I mean, unless, unless somehow it's the CDC and WHO are proven to have faked everything and everything's some crazy, which is well, not going to happen because that's not true. But uh, like, you know, unless some crazy thing, like the craziest thing, even crazier than anything that's happened this year happens. Yeah. I think we're going to just see this season and, and everything play out exactly how they're. Yeah, that's that's another can that's another can of worms. But the uh, the WHO right. doesn't have the greatest track record right now of uh, no. things that they're coming out with. They have not had a good track record all. I mean, every, well, did you every single day they're coming out with some 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 different like absolute statement about this virus, and then the next day they're backtracking on it. Yeah, it's just wild. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, it's exciting to look forward to. We now have NHL and NBA playoffs to look forward to. I'm excited. I love both, especially the NBA, of course. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how that all works out. Um, now, what hey uh, what else do we? Oh, sorry, Dan. Quick but, thing. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. What you said earlier, you said you said whoever wins, you know, like they're playing it out. Um, there's you, you said that, you know, you wouldn't mark this season's champion as uh, like an asterisk next to their name do you think that's like going to be the popular opinion or do you think it's just oh, yeah. be slander on twitter and people are like no this doesn't i don't count. i don't think i don't think you'll find a legitimate sports journalist who's gonna say that or kind of allude to that mm -hmm. just because they're basically playing almost the same amount of games to close this out okay they're missing yeah. some regular season games but the playoffs is going to be like a full ass playoff like I think you'll see it rampant on Twitter, especially if someone like LA win, like the Lakers win or the Bucks or if some miracle the Rockets win or like you're going to just see jokes and slander and it'll be a it'll be a clown show. Mm -hmm. But Twitter's not real life. Uh I don't think you're going to find any respectable sports journalist 
saying that maybe some goof person like who's what's that guy on first take or whatever like you might you might find something like that but <laughs> even a i, mean, I, I forgot i, I would go skip Bayless. Would go the other way yeah oh no 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 skip. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> just, just got me all flustered there no i was gonna say I, i'm gonna go the other way like i for any talk of of asterisks i i would say that this has been I mean, tw- the year 2020 has been uh, a dumpster fire of a year for a, a multitude of reasons. But, you know, think about what it would take for a team to, you know, they play whatever, three quarters of a season or however much it's been so far. And then whether this storm emotionally, mentally, physically, and then you have to play not in your home arena not with your normal fans, not with your setup, not with any of these things. And then you have to run this gauntlet. I, I would argue that I, it's, it's a more impressive win. And you know, if you, if you want to put an asterisk on it, I would say not that it's worth more, but it's like, hey, man, y'all won the crazy. Like, this is going to be one of the craziest championship, you know, wins of all time. Whoever, you know, wins come October. Um, I, I would say it's no. going to make it even cooler and even more impressive. Yeah, that's, that's a hot take and I like it. Yeah, I um, I, agree. I I I don't think there's going to be an asterisk on here. I, I think the main thing we have to think about is the majority of the NBA season has already been played. So for the most right. part, we know who's supposed to be in the playoffs. We know that. And then once you get there, they're all on the same playing field. So I think like there's nothing like there's no funny business going on with like the NBA playoffs. So I think you can accurately crown a champion. Um, right. I think. I think what's what's interesting, and uh, uh, Ryan, I'll let you make your point before we transition, but one of the transitions I kind of wanted to make off of that was, for me, I think the one sport that we're going to have an asterisk on the champion is uh, Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, yep. if it's even played. Yeah. That, well, that's another thing. We'll get to that in a minute. I mean, you're, you're, you're playing, you're not only are you playing half the games, but yeah. it's just such a strain. Like, I, I don't, I would agree with that. Yeah. Ryan, you want to make a point about the Well no no, you literally hit the nail on that. That's where oh. I was going with this. I yeah. was I was we're on uh I think we're on a similar wavelength tonight because I was thinking, you know, you know, if you want to put an asterisk on a championship, think about, you know, in in baseball when you're supposed to play 162 games, we're talking about what? You know, fifty, seventy. I mean the the, the owners are they're not gonna owners are not gonna go anywhere north of seventy five games. Yeah. And and even that's probably pushing it. Um and so, you know, you don't know who the team baseball is a game of stats. And, you know, I tell you, if, if Moneyball was ever going to happen, it'd be this season. You know, it, you know, it's. The law of averages needs that that great uh, the, the number of reps. And, and right. I don't know if we're going to see who teams really are if we're playing 40 or 50 games. If it's we even see a baseball. Yeah. And so I saw somebody was talking about this the other day. If, if, if they play 50 games or 60 games and somebody bats 400, are you going to count it? I think somebody yeah. asked this of Mark to share on like baseball tonight or something, or I don't know. And I, and, and he said, no. And I, I completely agree. I mean, you can't, nothing that happens this year in baseball is going to really mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things short of somebody like throwing a perfect game. Cause obviously that's a game specific situation. Um, Right. Well, yeah. well, I'm saying like in a 50, it, let's say they play a 50 game season. 
you're going to see uh, a major league baseball player probably hit very close to 400. Oh, for sure. It's because, entirely possible. Um, these pitchers are not going to be adequately, uh, you know, stretched out. So, like, the pitching is going to be all wacky. And then there are guys who start off the season, like, smoking red hot and then, you know, fizzle out and go back to kind of their normal means as far as, like, their stats go year in and year out. So, yeah, they play a 50-game season. I think you're going to see you're going to see a pitcher with an ERA, a starting pitcher with an ERA at, like, 0.4 or something. Yep. <laughs> and then you're going to see, like, somebody like, you know, maybe it's Mike Trout or somebody like that hit, like, 397 or something. And it's like, okay, I mean, I mean, can well, we really count that? Right, and the inverse is true too. You know, imagine this. So you're you're yeah. a you're a player, and you're in the last year of your contract. This is your money year, right? Yeah. And you start the first thirty games hitting one hundred. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like now you've now like there's no way like you're yeah. you're you're trying to prove yourself to for allegedly the next big contract, which who knows what the money's gonna. And we talked about that in the past. Who knows yeah. what the money's gonna look like for contracts uh, in the next couple years. But still, if this is your money year and you start off even a little bit of a slump, you've got no time in comparison to try to make up that ground. Think about Jose Ramirez for us last year. It started ice cold. It was brutal. Right. Eventually, he turned it around. But you know, unfortunately, it was a little bit too little, too late. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna get accurate representation of of who these players are this year, and that's gonna be really tough for guys in contract years and and guys who are fighting to try to get out of the minors. Um, yep. I mean, look I don't at, know if uh, so. Look, we have somebody question. like Jose Ramirez who uh, started last season, like the first half of the year. Uh, he was hurt, and then he batted like 170. It was rough. Yeah, I have, I have a question for you. I have a question for you guys. Um, do you think it would make more sense just to scrap this season then, or is there any reason, financial or I don't, whatever reason you might have, that you think it would still be better to play even a half season? I think it's. I, I think it's finance. It's well. I mean, let's we we can we can cut through all the all the BS that we can try and explain. It's it, it's all it, it's all money. That's all it is. At the end of the day. Oh no, I, um, I agree. But like, what, what what like if they skip this season, would there be some era era you know unreverse irreversible damage for the next few years that could happen, or is it more just some super rich guys uh, are going to have take a hit for one year? Um, I, you know, we've kind of already talked about it. I think if they, if they don't play at all this season, um, I think players who are impending free agents are in for a rude awakening, uh, as far as their earning power, uh, next, next season. Um, I don't think you're going to see any team throwing out any sort of, uh, big cash next year. Whether they have the money or not, I think you know teams are going to look at their bottom line and see how much money they lost, and they're like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not throwing out uh, 250 million dollars to this player." Um, and on the player side, man, I, I I keep saying this, but there are a lot of players in Major League Baseball who, for a professional athlete's standard, don't make a lot of money. For our standard, they make a ton of money. But there are a lot of Major League Baseball players who are out there making like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, and yeah, to us that's a ton of money. But if you look at it, you know, if you look at it relatively, 
to how they probably spend their money and the lifestyle that they live, they probably can't keep up, um, you know, the things that they have going a whole year without a salary when they're on a $400,000 a year contract. Because like for us, you know, if we're sitting here and we make fifty dollars to $75,000 a year, we're going to either rent an apartment or buy a house according to that salary. Right. We're right. going to buy a car or lease a car according to that salary. Well, these guys do the same thing. So if they're making $400,000, they're buying a house to which they can afford at $400,000 a year. They're buying a car or renting a pick or leasing a pickup truck or a car based on that money that they make. And so for them, and we all know how banks and people and you know organizations like that try to fleece you and push you to your max when you're trying right, to buy something like right. that. So yeah, it's you know it's it's very easy for somebody to say, well, I would, well, you know, it they make four hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Well, if you made $400,000, would you spend your money like you made $50,000 a year? No. You would spend your money like you made $400,000. So it's all relative. So like these players who are making half a million dollars a year are not, are not putting $350,000 of it in the bank for a rainy day. They're spending it accordingly. So to me, a lot of these players cannot afford to go an entire season without... Uh, earning some sort of paycheck based off baseball, so you know, I I I think they I think they have to find a way to play. And with all of this stuff, and we're going to get into the 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 proposals that came out today. The baseball made a proposal, and then the players made a counter proposal. <clears throat> um, I'm just so sick so, of it. To be honest with you, I just I, so oh, freaking sick of it. Just stop arguing over uh, a few dollars in the grand scheme of things and just play baseball. And that's both sides. And, and you know, I'm going to probably get flack for this because I know everybody hates billionaires now, and I get it, right? But I see too many people blaming the owners. And now I, I just personally don't understand why. Look, it's like if, it's like any other job, right? Like, if you're not working, which they're not working right now, they're not. Yeah. I understand well, that these contracts well, and maybe that's where I'm wrong. So that's how I look at this situation. It's also very frustrating to me as somebody who doesn't make a ton of money to see these guys bickering over all this stuff. Right. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm going to tell you right now, if I was a, if I was a professional athlete, I would also be bickering over my money. Of course. I'm not, not going to say, believe, say I believe that fully. I know I would do that. It doesn't change the fact that as someone who doesn't make millions of dollars looking right. at this, I'm just like, oh my, there's there's millions of people unemployed. They're like the highest unemployment we've seen in probably ever, almost. Yeah. And and it's just frustrating to me. Yeah. Well, this is a good segment. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. no, no. I just I, I wanted to say like um I I agree with I honest it, I'm fence sitting right here, but I I can see both sides of this argument. Um, I'm just so sick and tired of it all. And like you said, if I was a major league baseball player, yeah, I would be scrapping and clawing for everything I could get, everything that I believe is owed to me, and I then that's what they're doing. I do I do side with the players a little bit more because I Agreed. because I think that uh, they were trying to do this behind closed doors and. 
it somehow, air quotes, got blown <laughs> into the media, and now it's just a full-fledged, you know, excuse my language, shit show right now. Like just so this is a this is a good segue to talk about the poll, which is 100 percent relevant to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we asked, so we're talking about our thoughts and our opinions on this. I want to know everyone's gut feeling if baseball is going to be played in 2020. Um, so our poll was very simple. Will do you think there's going to be baseball played in 2020? Uh, our listeners said 55% said yes, about 45% said no. Uh, I'll go first. I voted no, and I still think it's not going to happen. That's my, that's just my gut. Ryan or Dan, what do you guys think? I voted yes. And I, as we said, pre-show, I want to change my answer. (laughs) I want to, I want to get my test back and change my answers. Um, Everything that I've seen from, you know, the insiders and the and the reporters that are talking about this, it really sounds like the players and the owners are at odds about the, the two biggest things that I see coming up are the number of games and what amount of salaries um, is going to be paid out. And Dan can get into the uh, the, the proposal a little bit more here in, in a second. But um, I, I just. I'm 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 wavering. Um, I, I don't think that I, I know well, I, we know for sure that the owners want to make money. Um, we know that and <laughs> right. if they're going to lose money, they'd rather lose some money than all of the money. Um, and this is why to go real quick back to what you were bringing up, Jordan, this is why I, I entirely uh, disagree with what you were saying and that I am a, I'm a thousand percent squarely with players on this one. I don't think th- folks realize how much a billion dollars is in comparison to a million dollars. And these owners are, they're, they're going to be fine. There's they're they, their families, their organizations not going anywhere. I mean, I saw a tweet earlier, baseball grossed uh, over $10 billion in revenue last year. Like, yeah, they're not currently making the type of money that they would like to be making. They're going to be okay. You know, I, I've heard Dan's point about, you know, a lot of these players and I would I would hazard a guess it's a lot of players in the league probably don't have the funds to weather this kind of storm. Uh, but I, I am so big on on the labor side of negotiations and knowing your worth, because, you know, that if they make even a little concession here or there, that's a concession that they've made and that they're going to have to then try to recoup or regain in, in, in future negotiations. And so I just I, I'm I'm. I'm really big on the players sticking to their guns and I want baseball back. Trust me. It's, it's my second favorite sport right after football. The fact that we're not going to have baseball on the 4th of July feels criminal. It's it's just, it sucks. I'm tired of it as well, but if the owners want to play this game, uh, you know, let's dance. If I'm a player, I'm, I'm calling your bluff, you know, let's go buckle up. Cause it's going to get ugly. Right. Yeah, Dan, um, what is your, what does your gut tell you, Dan? I think I think they're going to play baseball. I just uh, I think when push comes to shove, um, I think both sides are going to realize that they can't afford to not play. Um, and I I do well. I do think that um, here, here's what's going to happen. I think if they don't play, 
the players are going to get blamed. And I think if they, to me, I think the players are kind of screwed in this because I think if they don't play, uh, they're going to get, they're going to somehow, some way, they're going to get twisted as the villains. I think if they do play, they're going to take a deal that's going to kind of screw them a little bit. So I think I think the players are holding out for as long as they possibly can, but I think eventually they're going to strike a deal. To me, I think it's it's billionaires against millionaires, and ultimately I think billionaires wins out. Um, like I, like I said, if I was if I was a player, I would be right there with the players. I would you know I would be wanting to get yeah. mine. I would like to get everything that I feel like I'm owed. Like what like what Ryan said, know your worth. Um, you know that that's oh, great. yeah, and I, and I got to clarify too. And I said that earlier. I just want to say it again. Like I I. You know, I have that thought on the players, but I can't exactly. I don't think you're wrong, Ryan. You're not wrong. And if I was a player, I'd 100% be on their side, right? Like, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Oh, if I had millions of dollars, I wouldn't be foot. No, that's stupid. Right, of right. Of course, right, I, would. I, I want more million. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's real. That's real. That's such a. I hate when people say that because that's right. such. But- but the reality is people do say that people say, why are, you know, they make, you know, millions of dollars. Why are they complaining over, you know, a couple, you know, hundred thousand dollars each or whatever it is. You know, I know, I know the, the players with the larger salaries are taking the bigger cuts and whatever. And I, I, I get all that, but um, yeah, I just, I, I think when push comes to shove, I think they're going to get a deal. I think while they're still pretty far apart, in negotiations um, as I'm going to kind of go through like the proposals here Um, they're getting closer on a amount of games a lot closer because a week ago the players wanted 114 games and the owners wanted 50 games Uh, you know that was you know parting of the Red Sea by Moses like type stuff there Um, now Today, Major League Baseball offered a 76-game season. The, the players countered with an 89-game season. So they're getting closer there. Um, they're still off on the uh, compensation part. Uh, players, players want full prorated salaries, which in theory I get. In reality, I kind of see the owner's side on it because, you know, they're, you know we can re-litigate it. Like we did a couple episodes, but for me, it comes down to you're losing the games, and then the games you are playing, you're not making as much money as you would be because you can't have fans in the stands. So, you know, there's and not- there are there are several MLB teams that are more reliant on fans than others. Like you sure. got teams I mean, like the Dodgers. Look at, look at uh, the Indians. Uh, right, right. You got teams like the Dodgers, Cubs, uh, Yankees. Um, those teams. They make so ridiculous amounts of money off their brand, like just in general. Right. right. Uh, they're not as dependent on that as like other teams, right? Like, well, yeah. those teams also didn't ink terrible media deals either. Like, the- <clears throat> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam, that, that's why this is such a complicated subject. You know, it's not, it's not, in my opinion, it's not yeah. a black and white discussion. Right. right. So that's what I mean. Very few things in life are. Well, here's the other thing though. So my response, by the way, Dan, to like the, sure. you know, the players want their full prorated amount. I understand the argument that if you're not going to have, you know, gate sales and all that jazz revenue is going to be less, but 
the players are still working. Like they have to be, they're in shape right now. They're, they're throwing, they're hitting, they're, they're staying, they're lifting. They're still staying. I mean, they're still, they have to be in shape now so that at the drop of a dime, they sure. can go in for an accelerated uh, training camp, spring training and, and preseason. They won't do a preseason, but normal preseason activities. Summer training. They're, yeah. I mean, mo- I, I would argue that the vast majority are, one, because they love the game of baseball, of course, and they're yeah. going to play the game they love. But for practically, they if, if a deal gets done tomorrow, they boom, it's, it's go time, and you have to physically be ready. And these guys, especially pitchers, it takes forever for these guys right. to get their arms and their bodies right. So, I mean, they're still working. Whether they're getting paid or not, they're still putting in the work. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree with that. I'm just, like, for me, it's just, like, <clears throat> if you're – if your contract is based off of the amount of games you play and it's also based off of the revenue that's brought in for all aspects, if you take away one of those aspects, then how could you well, expect to get the same amount of compensation? That's just my well, thing. There's, there's where I'd push back on it, though. If I sign a con- if you're an owner and I sign a contract with you, I don't give a crap what you make outside of I don't care how much money you make wherever you make it. If I sign a deal with you and I provide the service, I want to get paid. Um, okay, so so yes, it, this doesn't this doesn't necessarily happen in baseball, but so what do you say in uh, football when a player signs a contract but then he outplays the contract and a team goes to him and says, "Well, you signed the contract." Oh yeah, no, I I get it. I I completely agree like if, if, if a player signs a deal for better or worse, you've got to ride that deal out. We see right. it all the time. I mean, Zeke Elliott just did it. Um, currently, Dak Prescott's doing it. It's eventually going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. We're going to have to do it here in Cleveland with Baker. You know, yeah. I get it. You know, for better or worse, if you sign the deal, honor the terms of the contract. Um, I understand that players want to make every dime they can while they play. And I understand that organizations right. want to save every dime they can. Right. That's, but, just, that's just where we come down to. It's just, it's just, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever side, you know, if you're an owner or if you're a player, it's just, it's, it's the art of the yeah. negotiation. Like you're negotiating so, a deal. So it's, it's just, yep. you know, I ultimately, I, you know, even though MLB does have the, without a doubt, the best uh, players union, players association, whatever. Um, I just, man, it's, it's millionaires going up against billionaires. I just, I don't know. I just, I just, so, I don't know. I just, I just keep going back to the fact that I think there are, there are way too many players in Major League Baseball who, number one, are not going to want to go a whole year without not making any money, and number two, are cannot go a whole year without making any money. Um, I, I, in principle, yeah, I think they're, I think they're justified in what they're trying to do. Like we've, like we've already said ad nauseum, the last fifteen minutes. You know, if we were a player, heck. In, in our jobs now, if we had the opportunity to collectively bargain our contracts and our revenue shares, you know, we're going to try and get every single cent that we can. And that, that's I think that, Dan, I think that's why I get so annoyed with this kind of stuff. And this, this is why I get really annoyed with like the NFL and, and players and such. it's just like we don't even have that right as just randos. Right. Like we can't I can't go to my boss and be like, hey, uh, so, yeah. you know, I want to I want more money or I'm going to go to another 
job. I mean, you can always do that if you're good enough and you're talented enough, but it's, and it's, that's just a silly. Petty well, yeah. I mean, that thing that, I mean, that's the thing. These guys, these guys are literally so good at what they do. Right. <laughs> and, and good for them. Honestly, if, if you're that talented at what you do, you should get paid and they generally do right. For the most part. I mean, I guess not Scotty Pippen at, at half throughout the <laughs> of his career, but he still made money at the end. This is a good time, though, Dan. I, I want to hear a little more about the, the latest proposal, and then we can move on to the next um, the next discussions. We got some NFL stuff we want to get. Yeah, to yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, whoop. Uh, let me pull up here. All right. So Jeff Passan, who's been on top of uh, all this. Uh, he tweeted this out a couple hours ago. He got a copy of the MLB's proposal to the players. There's a lot of technical and you know uh, financial mumbo jumbo that the you know average fan isn't going to care about, and I, I don't really even quite understand. But I'll just kind of run through it. Uh, this is Major League Baseball's proposal. Uh, they're proposing a 76 game season, uh, which includes 1.4 billion dollars in potential compensation, which is about 75% of the full prorated salary for 76 games, which is Uh, $1.9 billion. Uh, They want to expand the playoffs uh, up to eight playoff teams per league at MLB's discretion, which I don't know what that means, but I guess they can just randomly choose how many playoff teams are going to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, No qualifying offer for 2020. Teams that lose free agents receive draft pick for players who sign multi-year deals at $35 million plus or one-year deals at $17.8 plus. Blah, blah, blah. This is where it gets into like the weird stuff. Uh, spring training uh, 2.0, which is you know summer training, whatever, would last 21 <laughs> days. Uh, season would start July 10th and end September 27th. Now, this is where a little bit uh, of the length of the season comes into play. Baseball wants to end the regular season pretty much when they normally would end it because there's a lot of talk with the TV networks and the TV networks already have baseball game, baseball playoff games slotted for days and times and stuff, and they don't want to move it around. So baseball really wants to try and end the season when they normally would, which is the last weekend of September and then start the playoffs in the first uh, week of October. Uh Here's a little bit of a salary breakdown to get to the number that MLB is proposing. 50% of prorated salaries over 76 games, uh, but they get a payment to players if postseason happens. Uh, bonus pool for postseason. That'll be split up. Uh, uh, players demand high-risk individuals can opt out of 2020 season and retain their salaries and service time. So essentially, uh, baseball would allow, if you're a high-risk individual for like COVID-19 or whatever, if you have serious uh, underlying health issues, uh, you can decide to not play and you'll still get paid. Um, Who are high, MLB deems high-risk individuals, some individuals may be more likely to suffer severe illness as a result of COVID-19 than others. Individuals who, by virtue of their age or medical history, are at a material, materially higher risk of complications and therefore uh, may choose to not play. So that's a little bit of baseball's uh, proposal. 
essentially what they want is they want to end the season the same time they normally would. They don't want to do what the NBA is doing. They don't want to stretch like games into December and stuff like that. They want the end of their season to end normally, do the playoffs normally, and then be able to start next season on a normal timeline. The NBA, for better or worse, their timeline's probably going to be screwed up for two or three years. So, um, you know, that's I, I thought that was an interesting piece of uh, baseball's proposal. Now, for the players' propo- proposal, uh, MLBPA is making a proposal to the MLB for a season of 89 games with a full prorated share of salary and expanded playoffs. It would bring signs, sides closer to a potential deal and is – uh, more or less 25 games under the last union offer, which was 114 games. The proposal, let's see, there was another one in here I wanted to. So there isn't there isn't uh, any more details on the player's proposal other than they want 89 games and they want their full prorated salaries. And both MLB and the players want expanded playoffs, so that that they can agree on. So basically, what it comes down to is the players they want full prorated salaries, and they want to play as many games as possible so they can make as much money as possible. Because if you're prorated for 89 games rather than 76 games, you're going to make more money. So they want to play as many games as possible. Baseball wants to play 76 games because in the time frame that we have with them wanting to end the season on the normal time frame, that's the max amount of games that they feel like they can play. So it, you know, right now it's a, it's, it's a staring contest, you know, who's, who's going to blink, you know, I think originally, I mean, what were we talking about? The major league baseball's original proposal where they were having like, uh, the higher salary players take like 30% of their uh, prorated salaries. I think, yeah, you know, nuts. They're still, they're still a decent amount of part, but I think they're, they're, you know, they're getting closer. Baseball uh, is agreeing to pay about 75% of prorated salaries uh, with bonuses and all that stuff. Uh, and players want full. So they're, they're, they're getting closer there. And they're a lot closer on the amount of games. Um, like I said originally last week, I think it was 114 for the players that they wanted, and the owners uh, suggested 50. So we'll see what happens. I, I I've still not heard of a drop dead deadline date uh, for striking a deal before they just say, you know what, we can't do it. Um, but it seems like they're getting closer. I think a little bit. I don't know. I'm sure somebody on Twitter will chime in and tell me that I'm wrong and I'm an idiot, but whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, I know it'd probably be a huge positive. If they could play some sort of a season. It would obviously be a weird season, but it'd be something. Yeah. Um, and ho- honestly, you know, hopefully all the minor leaguers don't get screwed. Like it kind of looks like some of them are right now. And, and hopefully we can just have some sense of normalcy by the end of the year and look forward to a full season of sports next year. And, and more importantly, a healthy world <laughs> that's not plagued sure. by this virus. And, and yeah, but um, 
but yeah, any other stuff, any other things you want to talk about the the MLB, or are we good to move on to some of the stuff with the NFL? Because we got it. No, good I'm good. Of- yeah, we can we can. Uh, if any, I mean, I'm good. Sorry, I don't yeah. know what to say. No, yeah. I'm so good. first, first, real quick, I just want to you know talk about this because we've been you know we did a whole episode on on the protests last week. So uh, there's a guy I used to work with at Best Buy. Uh, his name is John Sanders. Um, and Miles Garrett actually tweeted about this multiple times a day. So he's he's helping him raise money. Uh, uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like me and John are close friends. But me and him met at a Best Buy conference years ago. Kind of hit it off a little bit there, and we became Twitter buddies. Um, and that's the extent of our relationship. Like I'm not, you know, pretending like I know John. You know, like he's a close friend. He seems like a good guy, and like I said, uh, he's always been an advocate for um a lot of these you know bringing light to a lot of police brutality and stuff like that he was at the protests in cleveland on may 31st um and sadly he got shot by some sort of i think it was a beanbag bullet or some sort of projectile and it hit him right in the left eye and he actually lost his eye after two surgeries that tried to save it so he no longer has his left eye uh, he's kind of in a bad spot in some ways in some ways he's in a bad spot as far as his eye goes um and you know he's he's, i can only imagine the medical bills i can only imagine the pain he says he's got a lot of headaches he says he's got a lot of a lot of things like that that aren't aren't that nobody should ever have to go through for attending a protest um and so miles garrett i'm not sure how he got a hold of it uh hold the situation but he's been promoting on twitter today which shout out to miles garrett by the way He's long been one of my favorite NFL players, and he's only proving that more in the last few weeks and today. Um, so I wanted to start the NFL talk, just kind of bringing light to that. Uh, you know, you can you can you can look at Miles Garrett's Twitter if, if you're interested in donating to help uh, John pay for his medical bills and and any other complications that come with this. I know he's he's got a lawyer. Uh, there's video. Miles Garrett posted the video of him actually getting shot. It's very graphic. Um, so just be aware of that. Uh, anyhow, I just want to bring light to that. That's very, I appreciate what Miles Garrett's doing. I appreciate honestly what so many NFL players are doing right now. Um, and that brings to light another discussion where uh, several, uh, NFL players, uh, a lot of black NFL players got together with the NFL's, I believe it was their communications team. Like it wasn't like the NFL directly. It was like the team that runs the social media, if I understand correctly. Yeah. And they all got together and they posted a video. A lot of stars are in it. Uh, I mean, if you know anything about sports, you'll recognize the majority of them. Um, Jarvis Landry and OBJ were in it. Say what? Jarvis Landry and OBJ were in it. There you go. There's your Cleveland connections. Uh, As a Texas fan, I got to see uh, Deshaun. I believe Hopkins was in it as well. I know he's not a Texan anymore, but I still love Hopkins. Um, and anyhow, so they posted a video speaking out about, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and the police brutality and all that stuff. Um, and it went very viral, of course. And it actually prompted Roger Goodell to come out with a statement where he supported the cause and essentially said, I'm sorry for not listening to the players. So let's start the discussion with that. I mean, what did you guys think when you first saw that video? I, I was really impressed that the NFL, 
whether it's the communications team or the social media team, whatever it would be described as, um, that they got together with the players and did this. I mean, I, I thought it was amazing. And whole wow, to get Goodell to say something like that from the official, you know, that that's this is there's there's something going on right now, and and it and I think it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, this is huge, right? Um, so when Colin Kaepernick uh, originally uh, started this uh, protesting in the NFL and uh, kneeling for the anthem, uh, you know, it was pretty much universally looked down upon by the league and the owners. Um, you had owners like Jerry Jones who was saying that he'll cut you if you kneel for the national anthem. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the owners who didn't take a hardline stance like that with, uh, like Jerry Jones, just kind of stayed silent. And I think what we're learning from uh, the black community right now on their feelings towards everything going on is that if you're silent, you're essentially against us because you're not helping. Um, so I thought it was, I mean, and uh, you know, the, uh, nothing, the NFL doesn't admit they're wrong on anything. Right. Ever. So for them to so immediately and, uh, so profusely, I mean, it's the commissioner of the league saying, Hey, you know, we got this wrong. And we want to stand with you now and uh, protest with you and all this stuff. Um, it's a huge step, uh, especially in the sports world. You know, NFL is far and away the biggest sport in this league. Um, you know, we all know the NBA is at the forefront of uh, this racial inequality stuff. So, you know, they've been doing it for a while. But the NFL has long been either silent or against um this protesting so for uh the players to get together and make such a powerful video like they did to get the attention of the commissioner so much so that uh they felt like it was needed for them to come out with a video and essentially admit that they've been wrong over the last four years and completely about face on this is an enormous, enormous step. The interesting thing about this is I've, I've been seeing and hearing on either social media or radio shows I've been listening to that not all of the owners knew that Roger Goodell was going to do this, and some of the owners are not too happy about it. <clears throat> Jerry Jones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and we all know that Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones have a rocky uh, history. So uh, going back to this very issue, uh, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL, like it's, it's one thing for them to say, Hey, we're going to stand with you when there's three months before they actually have to stand with them as far as like games being played on TV and stuff. So, you know, are we going to see NFL owners on the field with the players before the games taking a knee? Because, you know, there's no getting around it now. It's not going to be one or two players at each NFL game kneeling. Oh, it's going I to be the majority of, of rosters that are going I to hope kneel. It's everybody. Right. I hope it's every. I hope it's yeah. every guy on every yeah. roster. Yeah. I really do. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be coaches I, too. But I, I would yeah. love, honestly for for. 
for a uh, a moment of solidarity, I would love to see the owners come down on the field too and kneel with their players. Could you imagine the message that that would send? Because I, I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be completely frank with you. It's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, right. You know, maybe there, there might be, there might be a few. Honestly, there might be a few. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm the Browns suck on the field. You know, we're not gonna, you know, we're not going to uh, uh, debate that. But <clears throat> I will, I will give the Haslam's credit. They have been on the absolute forefront as far as um, this issue in the NFL, working with their players, and on the forefront of uh, uh, minority hirings. I mean, I, I can't think of a team that's hired more minority uh, executives. Uh, they've hired they've hired multiple minority head. Co- well, the Haslam's haven't, but they hired Hugh Jackson. Romeo Cornell was before them, but um, mm-hmm. they hired Hugh Jackson. Um, they have, you know, Ray Farmer, Sashi Brown, Andrew Barry. Now, uh, two of Andrew Barry's right hand right hand men are African American. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that the Browns are on the forefront with that, uh, as far as like racial inclusion and, um, making sure that, you know, everybody's on somewhat of a level playing field. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I just to kind of bounce off that, like, not, I'm not going to spend too much time with this, but I think it's worth mentioning, uh, like as a Texans fan, you know, we're infamous for our former now deceased owner, Bob McNair's comments. Um, And, you know, then you have Deshaun Watson going into the protests in Houston where George Floyd is a native, by the way. Um, And, you know, protesting with the people, not even making a big show of it. Just, he went down to go, you know, you know, speak out. And you've now had, uh, You've now had the whole McNair family who owns the team just take a full 180 on all this stuff. They're hosting, they have a thing called Conversations for Change where it's going to be an ongoing segment where they talk about these issues. And, and, you know, his son, his son, Cal McNair has really stepped up. He put out a statement, Bill O'Brien, for all his faults on the field. I have to give it to him. He spoke from the heart and, and, and he really seems to be on the player's side here. Uh, and they in the in the recent episode they had um, they had uh, Travis Johnson, the former defensive end for the Texans, you know, speak with the McNair family. So this is I don't think people realize how crazy the, these changes are. I mean, we're talking about an ownership that just a few years ago embarrassed themselves, and 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 now now things are changing. And like Dan, you said, like the, the Browns have been very positive with a lot of this stuff, and I don't know, I I just feel like something's changing right now. Um, and we have to talk about Drew Brees, who said some, I would say, pretty ridiculous comments, right? About if you don't go uh, for the flag, blah, Ryan, blah, blah. For, first, uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to skip Ryan. My bad. No, no, no. You're good. Yeah. I. So I'm trying not to be cynical. I, I promise you I'm trying. At the end of the day, Goodell works for the owners. He is the right. commissioner, but ultimately he reports to ownership. And if he does anything or says anything that the majority of them don't like, or if he does that for too long, he's gone. Right. And so while it's one thing to get a video of Goodell from his basement saying we were wrong, and I appreciate the sentiment, 
I want to hear it from the Jerry Joneses of the world. I want to hear it from the folks that threaten to cut players uh, for, you know, voicing their opinions. I mean, we have rights in this country, and I understand that if you are, uh, you know, I, I, I get real annoyed when I hear people say, you're a, you're a blank, stick to your job. You know, you're, a, you're an athlete, stick to sports. You're a, you're a fill in the blank, right. stick to work. I don't want to hear politics. Um, life is political. Life is messy. Life can get ugly. And, and it doesn't, not every single conversation has to ultimately boil down to that, but you're allowed to think and feel things. And, sure. um, you know, for, for an owner of a team to say, I'm going to fire you for expressing your opinions, uh, and, 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 and using your rights, um, just really bothers me, uh, to my core. And so I, like I said, I'm trying not to be cynical, but to me, I, I want to really see, like Dan, like Dan, what you were saying. I, to me, it would really mean something if, if, if the owners, either individually or as a, as a collective, started releasing serious statements or making substantial moves. Sure. Um, you don't, know, don't you I, think? I, don't, but Ryan, I have a question for you because you bring up excellent points, and I'm always hesitant about corporate, you know, corporations jumping on the bandwagon and owners and CEOs. Right politicians even right but don't you think though that you know there's been so many nfl teams that have been just like yes the players speak out we need to hear and like you know even the example of the texans kind of making steps don't you think do you think that look maybe jerry jones won't say something right maybe half the owners don't say something but if the other half do and even if it's just the stigma of uh, you know, the stigma against protesting is, is at least released on an official level. So it's encouraged. I think that's progress. I, yeah, I'm not is. saying, you know, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to convert everyone. I obviously it's well known. I don't like the Cowboys, but put that aside that I want. I'm trying. I, I don't know if you're going to convince Jerry Jones, right? No, you're he's he's a I don't know how old Jerry is, but he's, right. he's a grown man. He's a billionaire. Seven, Nothing's seven, changing five. Jerry's mind. He he could release a million statements. And frankly, yeah. I don't know if anybody would believe it. And so, right. Right. you know, but, to, but don't I you guess think going from Roger Goodell now being open, apologizing. I don't care if it's sincere or not. He's now the official NFL statement is. We essentially we want you to protest if you if you right. want to protest. Yeah, I, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to turn my nose up at progress. I I hear what you're saying. I I don't want to get snooty or picky about it. I I guess I would just prefer tangible action over words. I want to see Colin Kaepernick get right. his job back. I, I want to see you know right. owners uh, investing their resources into local you know. Uh, minority-owned businesses or, um, you know, community resource funds and, and things of that nature. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your time where your mouth is. Right. Um, Agreed. So, Agreed. but... Well, so here's... To me, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I like the progress. Like like to what, to what you were saying, Ryan, here's a statement that the Browns put out. And I know it's just a statement, but, you know, we're not playing games yet. So this is pretty much the closest thing that we're going to get from uh, something from an NFL team is... So I'm just, I'm just going to read it real quick. Sports can be a great unifier in our communities for what teams do on the field, and we must work together to elevate our efforts and our actions to ensure that we can be a positive and productive change agent off the field. With yet more tragic deaths, we as a nation and as individuals must truly create meaningful dialogue, have difficult conversation, 
demonstrate real empathy, and take productive and nonviolent action to address injustices. These are complex issues that no sports team can solve on their own. We can only help create change by working together with our community, our players, and our entire region to find solutions. We take great pride in our city, in our region, and recognize the suffering in the African-American community throughout the country. Although we, like many others who work to advocate for social justice now more than ever, we must do even more to work collectively to end racism and bond together to and bond together for justice and equality. So that's the Brown statement. Um, similar similar teams have put out similar statements. Teams have put out videos. Uh, I know the Browns also put out videos. Just like every other NFL team, I'm pretty sure, uh, participated in the Blackout Tuesday. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, like you said, you don't want to be cynical because ultimately these are still the same guys that, four years ago were threatening to cut players uh, if they kneeled. But um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's starting to change a little bit. Now we're going to see in the coming months, whether those changes are uh, sincere or not. Um, like I said, I think it would be a great thing to see, uh, you know, an owner of an NFL team uh, kneel with, with their players. Um, because I think if, if one does, I think it'll be a little bit more of a domino effect because I think I think players and I think the community is more galvanized than ever um, to see change happen. Um, because like when, yeah. Colin, when Colin Kaepernick did it, you know, players are still scared to to uh, open, you know, open their mouths and, and voice their opinions. Now that this has happened and they're seeing so many high profile uh, athletes across all the sports do it, um, you're seeing it more and more. Yeah. And I tell you what, I, I also want to check myself because it's easy to fall in this trap of, you know, you've said the wrong thing, or you've done the wrong thing. So screw you and you hunker down there. Yeah. If we're going to ask folks to listen and learn and grow, you can't also simultaneously say that their statement is disingenuous or assume the worst. And so I, I, I want to be real and, and, and frankly check myself in that. I am hoping, and this actually would be a good segue back to, you know, Jordan brought up Drew Brees. You know, he caught a lot of flack for some things he said in that interview. And I was disappointed. I think like a lot of folks were. Sure. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of high profile athletes, a lot of high profile athletes who are on the same team as him. Yeah. Uh, released some serious, serious statements like they, that people did not hold back. Um, and I tell you what, he, he, he heard it and he responded. And I think a lot of his teammates and a lot of folks around, you know, the sports world, uh, said, okay, he heard us and he, he made some serious apologies. He's willing to listen. He's going to work with us. I mean, he even went so far to directly address, uh, president Trump right. uh, yeah. regarding some of these things. I mean, I mean, I, it is not, I, I don't want to understate this. I mean, Drew caught a lot of flack around not just the NFL, but around sports in general. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, to that tune, right. part of me is like, man, how do you not still get this? But he he responded and, and quickly. And, you know, I don't know the man. I'm not going to pretend to. But if guys like Michael Thomas and Demario Davis and a bunch of his other teammates um, say, hey, uh, 
he's my teammate. He's my brother. He made some mistakes and he's working on atoning for those mistakes. Then who am I to, to again, turn my nose up at it? And I, and think, I think that's, I think that's the crux of it right there, Ryan, because you have a lot of, I'm going to be honest right here. I've always considered myself kind of more open or woke or whatever the term would be about the, I've learned so much in the last th- two weeks. It's, it's overwhelming. And, and I'm, and I'm learning more. I'm, I'm, I'm reading a book right now about like, the insane discrimination and, and segregation of how we built all of our neighborhoods in this country. Like I'm just learning, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And I think, I think one thing that we do need to keep in mind that people can change. It doesn't erase what they've done in the past. It doesn't change any damage I may have said or bad beliefs I may have supported. Um, but I think this was a great example. I think of a man who, is privileged. He's a white guy. He probably, honestly, it's possible Drew Brees legitimately never knew of any of this stuff, even though he's worked with a lot of black men in his career. Right. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of black teammates on, on the, on the saints and it's possible that he literally was ignorant about it. And who knows why? Maybe he didn't care. Maybe he, whatever. I don't know what the reasons were, but to see to see a change like that and and I I talk about he's released multiple apologies multiple statements you know and, and I'm not even here to argue if you think they're genuine or not right time will tell but I I think that I, I can respect that he took the effort he didn't just put a, I'm sorry if I offended everybody like eventually his his statements got more and more straightforward and more and more genuine I think. And you see some of his teammates are like, let's go. We got like that. You're, you're, I appreciate you for being open about it. So I agree. I think that's the crux of it right there. I think that we need to all be willing to admit that we've all probably harbored, you know, we probably looked at the world differently, even in the last two weeks. And we're learning so much. Yeah, I think with Drew Brees, I think it goes a little bit deeper than um, him releasing his statement and his players just accepting it. because. Originally, True. originally, when he released his first statement, there were a lot of teammates that kind of scoffed at it, saying like, oh, mm-hmm. he's just saying that he, he's basically just saying, oh, I'm sorry, because I got caught saying something dumb. I think right. um, I, I think a lot of what what happens and what's happened since is a lot of his teammates have come out and said, you know, like, you know, me and Drew act like we actually talked. I think he went to especially his teammates. I think he had a lot of one on one conversations with his African-American teammates who were very um, offended by the things that he said. And, he, you know, he must have been very forthright and contrite um, and open to listen and, uh, you know, understand what really their plight is. It, you know, it, it was never about the American flag, right? Like, it never or was. Or the troops. Right, exactly. But I think we can learn from... Uh, what happened with Drew Brees as a society, because like you said, Jordan, you know, our, our views on this, uh, I'll say mine, uh, because originally when this happened with Colin Kaepernick, I was upset that I wasn't upset that he was protesting. I was upset that he was not that he was protesting the flag. I was upset that he was using the flag and the national anthem to use his protest. But now that I step back and I see it all, it's like, okay, that's never was what he was what, what it was about, and I shouldn't judge it that way. 
And I think it's what we should do as a society is, yeah, maybe we have different beliefs. Maybe we have different thinkings, thinking patterns about how we think, think things should be done. But we should always listen to everybody. We should always try to understand everybody. Because as we see in the sports world, as we see in the world of politics, nobody thinks the same. So it's crucial for us to understand other people's viewpoints. And even if you still don't agree with it, at least you can have honest, maybe sometimes difficult conversations and at least try and understand everybody's opinion rather than, you know, uh, seeing a guy kneel for the national anthem and be like, oh, he's a disrespect, like, uh, you know, he's a disrespectful SOB, like get him out of here or whatever, you know? So I think it's it, it's helping us show that um, we can we can progress a lot as a nation if we are just willing to have be open and have the conversations. I mean, I, I shared on my uh, personal Instagram the other day. I shared a little cartoon, and it was a conversation between two little characters. And the moral of the story was is like, well, if even though if I change my mind, even though I've learned this new fact or I've learned this new thing, if I've changed my mind, won't that make me a hypocrite? And it's like, no, like if you learn new information, if you learn a new perspective, if you gain some insight, you're allowed to formulate a new and more improved opinion. And I, the moral of the story for me was, you know, we should normalize learning something new and growing from it. And like I said, yeah. it, it's it's easy for me to get sucked into, well, he said this, so screw that guy. And I, I really want to try to slow that down and, and say, hey, listen, like people are going to screw stuff up. I've done it too. I say, man, I put my foot in my mouth all the time. I have said hurtful things. I've, I've made I've made mistakes. Who the heck hasn't? And so right. let's really try to work as, as, as individuals in our own life, but also as a society. Hey, I, I, I learned a new piece of information. I heard a new thing. I didn't know that. That helps me reevaluate the situation. And now you craft a, a, a more uh, informed opinion or stance on the matter. And so, you know, I think, Jordan, you mentioned it earlier, too. You know, Drew said some things. He made some apologies. And, and Dan mentioned that I, I agree that I think he probably had some private conversations with teammates and some other guys. Um, and then time's going to tell, you know, is he going to is he going to slip up and say some say some nonsense again? Well, maybe he didn't learn his lesson and then he can do maybe he'll get some flack then or he'll start, you know, like like we said, formulate this new opinion and he's going to act accordingly. And and like, awesome. He's 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 a better man for it. I think we could all take that into our own lives and in various areas and, and be better off uh, as individuals for it. I agree. Sure. I agree. And, 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 and what part of the, I think. And I, I want to express, you know, I, we expressed this a lot last week when we were talking to Rufus, like for, for people like us, right? We need to, our ears need to be open and our hearts need more important, almost more important, our hearts need to be open. You know, I, and, and I think, I think that's where we start, right? And, and we need to, and I think that you see a lot of NFL teams and a lot of owners and stuff, they're starting at least to open their ears and they're giving, they're giving their own players a platform. And I think that's very positive change. I hope it's permanent. I hope it's genuine. You know, I tweeted this about, you know, about the Texans. I hope it's genuine and, and time will tell, but, but I think it starts. Here. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, I think the, uh, uh, and, and I'll end this conversation like, like this, cause you know, we're, we're going really long in our episode, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, you know, as much as, as much as, uh, you know, one side for this to work, 
as much as one side needs to be open to new viewpoints, needs to be open to uh, changing their own outlook, um, like you said, Ryan, I think the other side needs to learn to be a little less cynical about, you know, what maybe they think, you know, a lot of these statements and just assuming that they're going to be hollow. Time will tell. You know, it could be right, but I, you know, I guarantee you there's there's going to be a uh, a good amount of good and a good amount of change is going to come from this. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm encur- I'm I'm encouraged by especially in the sports world by what we've been been seeing on this on this subject. Now, pol- you know, politically, that's another realm, but we got a lot to yeah. go there. Um, but anyway, that that's kind of uh, you know. If you guys have any final thoughts, uh, go ahead and give. That was just kind. Well, I just kind of want. I, to I, I, I personally don't, but I wanted Jimmy. Uh, I'm curious if if you if you want to say anything. If not, it's all good. I'm just curious if you had any final thoughts about the NFL or NBA or, or anything we've really talked about. Um, feel free. I mean, you guys pretty much <laughs> summed it up, but I, I think it's important what Ryan was saying. Um, you know, it, it seems like with the criticism and everybody's just kind of, you know, super, uh, you know, like trigger finger ready. You know, they're always trying to come at people's throats. I think it's important to realize that, you know, your upbringing was not the same as other people's and you may think differently than other people. And that's OK. You learn more information. It's all about having a conversation. You know, it doesn't need to be so hostile. And all right, you're canceled. You're out of here. Out of a job forever. You're racist. You're a right. terrible person. Get out of here. That's not real life. Yeah. And that's all you see on Twitter. So I think it's important that we're progressing and becoming more civil and understanding, uh, you know, we all think differently and that's okay. You know, let's compromise. So it's a good thing. 100%. All right. Uh, yeah. So I hate to end on a heavy note like that, but. That, uh, well, we, we, can, we can end on a little bit of a positive note, Dan. Uh, you and me went to uh, bars for the first time in months. Yeah, uh, past week. yeah, we can. I mean, we can talk about that another time. I mean, I'm literally, we're going at two hours for this episode. So, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, we don't. Um, I real guess quick, my message is real, support real, your local uh, places. Yeah, real quick. Uh, let's let's go do a round of shout outs before we get out of here. Uh, anybody got anything to shout out this week? Well, I'm I'll go. Caught off guard. <laughs> shout out to pools because I was in one today and it was hot. Hey. So thank God for you and platform beer. Hayes Jude specifically. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I want to give a, I did it. Let's bookend it. I wanted to, I did it at the beginning of the episode. I don't do it again. I just want to shout out Rufus Jones. Thank him again for coming on last week. Um, for probably one of our most meaningful episodes that we've ever done of this podcast. So, uh, shout out to yeah. him. Um, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Episode 111. Uh, you can find that on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Uh, just search Living Off the Land, all one word, and uh, we'll pop up there. So give that a listen. Yeah, I'll, I'll bounce off of that and say the same. And I'm just going to throw in, you know, open up your mind. This is a great time. There's so much being, information being spread around right now. Uh, maybe pick something that you're struggling with. Maybe pick something that you're not sure of, or you're like, is that true? Did that really happen? Study it, ask around, ask your friends on Facebook or Twitter. Hey, I want to learn more about this topic and look up podcasts, books, documentaries, whatever. Right. And just, just pick that, 
if you can't narrow down a topic, again, just pick something that you're struggling with that you don't understand. Just go from there. Not to go uh, from a serious note back to a, a light or trivial note, but I was thinking uh, shout out to the sports leagues that are figuring it out. Pretty much everybody yeah. but baseball here in the States, MLS, oh, uh, hockey, yes. um, and, uh, and and basketball for getting their acts together. Uh, it's easy to get caught in the weeds of proposals and dollars and cents and labor negotiations. But at the end of the day, uh, we love sports, uh, uh, you know, economic value entertainment value social cultural value it's all there so shout out to the leagues for 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 those of them that are figuring it out and i am really excited to uh watch some sports again absolutely all right mike dropped okay um yeah thanks for listening to us if you uh listen to this entire episode we appreciate you uh uh (laughs) this marathon session of an episode um but hopefully uh you know, we keep kept you informed and entertained on stuff going around. Today was more of like a sports podcast, but um, I'm glad we were able to continue the conversation that uh, we had last week and, uh, you know, kind of relate it back to uh, sports, uh, which I know is a huge passion of all of us. So um, uh, thanks, guys, for that. So um, like I said, if you want to listen to our episodes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, check us out there. Uh, follow us on social media at the LOTL podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us. So uh, for Ryan, Jimmy, and Jordan, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Living Off the Land, and we'll catch you guys next week. See ya. See ya. Peace.